the Comedy Zone podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. From Charlotte, North Carolina, this is the Comedy Zone Podcast. Find us on Twitter at the CZ Podcast. Email us at ComedyZonePodcast at gmail.com. Now, your host, Jason Allen King. Welcome, everybody, to the Comedy Zone Podcast. We are back again. I'm very excited to be here with uh, the always amazing and talented and overworked Brian Baltashevitz is here. <laughs> hey, Brian, how are you, my friend? Good. You got those in the wrong order, I think. <laughs> oh, really? oh, yeah, overworked first, oh. unfortunately. And then amazing overworked. and talented is still up for debate. But. <laughs> <laughs> and so good looking. Uh, uh, Will is not here tonight. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get him back here real soon. But we do have a special guest that I'm super excited. I can't believe we, we pulled him off the road to, uh, to come and speak with us here. Uh, uh, he's a friend, and I have the opportunity to work with him quite a bit, and he's just one of the funniest guys that I know. Sid Davis is here with us, ladies and gentlemen. You're lucky you pulled me down. off the road. I've been begging for months. Please <laughs> let me on the podcast. <laughs> it's a show business. <laughs> Get me on a Zoom call already, please. Uh, that's email. great. So copy and paste every Monday. When can I be on the website? And then I email it to you. So finally, somebody, on the, I was begged, praying for a law, a missed flight or a flat tire. And by <laughs> my, of course with zoom, you know, uh, somebody's Wi-Fi to go out. That's what I was praying for. You've, uh, um, hey, I've done it from in the car, uh, the, these podcasts, not that long ago. I was actually, that's in true. The car. You, you, he, he, he was, he had a body in his trunk and he was in the <laughs> he, was, he was in the parking lot at some some seedy hotel and somewhere i don't even know where i can neither confirm nor deny any of that information. <laughs> there's a drifter in the trunk that's right i'm sure we were all <laughs> off the road i mean last week was uh was thanksgiving uh so happy thanksgiving a little late did everybody you know get to see your loved ones and got all fat and drunk did that happen two of the three. Mm -hmm. Oh, i obeyed the law well, not really. Wednesday night, I had a show. I went to a super spreader show. <laughs> so, so they they weren't all they weren't invited. I mean, it's we. I got a. I have a grandson, right? So he's newborn, and his mom and his mom's ob obviously cautious, and so yeah, uh, they can't come over. So we've only seen him by Zoom. Oh man, that's uh, gotta be tough. So I hope to see him by his uh, maybe his high school graduation. Maybe we'll. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would normally jump on that and say, you know, that's probably how it's looking. But we're, you know, there's there's the smell of vaccines in the air. There's yeah. the election nonsense is over. I mean, do we dare say that there's light at the end of the tunnel here? Or I mean, are you going to get a vaccine? I mean, I, not probably. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to. Uh, my arm my my sleeves already rolled up let me have it <laughs> <laughs> he's already got the that rubber strap and everything sid what do you got going on there my god i figure uh, you know if i get the vaccine and something goes wrong i got i got a subject to write a book about <laughs> and right now i got nothing, nothing no reservations you want to be first one in line i do i want to tell my story and go on good morning america you know whatever the side effects are and like oh <laughs> have an interpreter <laughs> wow that's amazing you know i think i've brought this up before brian well first of all and i i think i'll do the vaccine like pretty early i have some reservations about it but um so i don't know if i want to be the first in line but but i think i think it's kind of responsible to get it to be perfectly honest so i do think that i would do it uh, I should say I, I will because I think that's that is coming. But a little uh, interesting point that my dad was part of the first group that took the polio vaccine, which yeah. I find to be a pretty interesting historic sort of fact or whatever. I saw a PBS documentary about that. Um, the PBS app on Roku is it's awesome, yeah. Nova and all that. But the polio, you know, the polio vac uh, documentary was something I wanted to see because it it. Uh, it mirrors a lot of what we're going through now 
and uh, I didn't realize polio was dragged out. I don't know over a lot of years, you know, and, and kids were scared and nobody was exactly sure about it. And then they, they had two vaccines and one was, they were, there was like uh, windows and Apple, Microsoft and Apple <laughs> It really was on whose vaccine was going to win the market. And, uh, and then they, just to show you how times have changed, they, they, they tested the vaccines on what they, they went to these homes and tested them on the feeble minded is how they, Oh my gosh, raised really? it. So you'd never be able to get it away with that today, but because of that, how as horrible as it sounds, it got the vaccine out on the market a lot quicker because, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's things actually were. kind of, uh, kind of a gruesome, cringy sort of fact, uh, that they did. Yeah, that. it really was. I didn't yeah, realize you don't want to get that knock on your door. <laughs> like if you if you if you don't know you're feeble-minded and all of a sudden you get that yeah. not, that would yeah. not be a good yeah. every knock i'd be very nervous yeah no that's that is that's pretty wild but i did hear something recently that i don't think they have tested this on children so i and it may be a, kind of a, a real pendulum swing the other way my understanding is is that their testing on children has been very 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 limited if at all and that's yeah well what limited. parent would uh yeah. Stay okay to that. Right. Well, I mean, I know some parents. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my dad would have, he'd have put me, he'd have rolled my sleeve up for me. <laughs> Come get this guy. That's right. Well, now that we're talking about this uh, whole pandemic, I mean, how obviously you've been affected by it. Uh, how has your sort of, how has this affected your comedy life? I mean, I mean, obviously it has, but tell me, are you, have you like just stopped work and started writing or are you just sort of just getting fat and eating and you know? <laughs> I got I, I've never been in the best shape of my life from, <laughs> from the neck down. <laughs> no, from the neck up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, if, if I'm totally honest, I got to say that, uh, I feel horrible. We really don't promote that here. So yeah, no, we provide good but I, i've i've been lucky i guess i'll come out and say that um i was telling a comic i was working with the other night last wednesday i said you know i've in in some ways i've had a ball um i was financially prepared uh and thank god i live in north carolina because i've i know people have been doing this 30 years they're having to get real jobs and okay. and mm. and, and but I had a, this to-do list, you know, I'd come home from working so much and I'd see this needed to be fixed and that needed to be fixed. And I wanted to, I had wood floors except in the kitchen they, and I had, and I just finished that and I finished everything. And then I, then I, I went up through a period of getting lazy. Uh, but I, I, now I'm preparing, I'm using the time to prepare. So I'll be ready to uh, just hit it when it rebounds, you know, I've got mm. to, merchandise and and the cds and all that but um it hasn't been horrible for me and and i've uh <laughs> i don't i don't well I, if the unemployment people listen to this i've been look working for work every day <laughs> <laughs> do you ever worry about that that people are like gonna offer offer jobs to people who maybe are a little little harder up for it and that's a real question because it's not some it's something that i've thought before well, I went through this, uh, 2005, I got laid, laid off slash retired from the airline. And it, again, I, I was lucky I had a package, but I over, remind me where I left off, but, but I'd worked there for 20 years and I'd called in sick twice. Wow. And I didn't know that all these sick days accumulated and for so many days, you got a day's pay. So I had six months of pay. Well of available i have a joke you know where i went to <laughs> went to the guy and I, and and i said I, you called in sick yesterday it's your second time in 20 years i, I see a pattern developing here <laughs> you're the cal ripkin of uh employees. Oh my god well i had this i used to work swaps you know you could swap days so i'd work double double single and i'd have nine days off in a row and I'd work double, double, you know, overtime and all that. And, and it was great. So, um, but I went, I, anyway, when I re retired from that, the, the, I, the union had a deal. I, I got so many weeks of unemployment 
And at that time, you, it was with the state and was, I had to uh, apply online. Mm-hmm. So I would apply for, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to work. I applied for jobs that I'd never get, you know, and I, I everything they'd have in, in a book that you'd look online on how to get a job. I went the opposite. It was almost like that Seinfeld <laughs> episode. I did you wonder that. if you really wanted a job. Sid, yeah. And one day I, out of the blue, uh, I get a call, you know, for an interview and you, you have to go in the interview or, or you don't, you lose the, yeah. <laughs> living, living, yeah. living the American life. <laughs> so I go there and it's one of these things where they, you have to stop people in the mall and sell them uh, phones, right? Good grief. So, uh, without, without ever seeing Greg Hahn's uh, act, I, I did exactly what it is. I just went to the interview and I said, you know, I don't, I don't work well with people. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> I'm, I'm really a loner. I'm not a team player and all that. And this guy's, they needed people so bad. They go, well, we can work all the way. All the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and then like, I'm thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And, and then he goes, now, now we have a drug test. And I go, Ooh, uh, <laughs> can, can we hold that off for two weeks? And like, thank God, you know, that I got out of it that way. <laughs> They said, you're not, you're not the right guy for us here. We'll hire anyone as long as you're not high yep. on pot. How could you, how could you do that job and not be? <laughs> right. yeah. It's like being a teacher, right? Like how can you go sober? Oh, you uh, bug people in the mall. Ugh. So it seems like your, your, uh, your pandemic sort of time frame you, you sort of section it off, right? So you started out like, all right, I got time to do the work around the house. I'm sure your wife maybe had something to do with that. I feel like. You may or may not have talked with me about that before where there was getting things done and then it was, all right, I've, I've worn that out. Now I'm lazy. And now you're getting <laughs> now, to that place. During the time of all this is it's, I got, uh, you know, I'm putting a real wood floors in the kitchen and all that I get every night. She comes home from school. Like when's, how long is this mess going to be here? That's, <laughs> so that's the pat on the back I got. Yeah. Right. Um, but now uh, I went through that. Yeah, I'm I'm in phase two right now. Yeah. And then there's some days where I, I'm saying, you know, I'm working harder now than I did when I had a job. And so I yeah. take it easy. And yeah, comedy and freelance work, because I, I work freelance when I'm, you know, pretty much in everything that I do. I find because it's usually more about, you know, being passionate about something anyway. So you want to be doing, but I find that I'm just constantly doing it. There's not, yeah. it's not nine to five necessarily. It's mm-hmm. literally, it's, it's the wheels are turning even when I'm not doing something, you know what I mean? I'm still thinking about a joke or I'm still thinking about whatever. And yeah, yeah it manifests in different ways. Like feels like you're never really off the clock. Um, I have a studio upstairs. My, my son was in video production at one time and I invested in a lot of equipment. This might be in one of them. Yeah. And, nice. uh, and then I have a, one of those overhead boom mics and I got all this equipment and it's a 24 by 24 area up there. And I went up, I bought all the sound panels and I soundproofed it and I got a wow. whole green screen and all that. So I've been up there and I, I need an excuse to test the equipment out. So I'd write bits and I'd go up and it's got a teleprompter too. I'd, I'd put Jeez. the bits on a teleprompter and I'd read them and read them. I thought I was, there's no dark. place. <laughs> <laughs> there's like no place cheating. to do there's no place to do open mics, yeah. but I'd, I'd come down and I'd uh, look at the video and, and you get a grasp of whether the bit can work or not when you get to watch it and what gestures need to be made. Yeah. And then you try to send them to your peers, you know, that are, are not yes people that will be honest with mm-hmm. you, even in those pisses you off and they go, well, that's not really that funny. You realize they're doing you a favor. I say, I still <laughs> piss you off. Yeah. yeah, you try to explain it away. You're like, no, no, what I'm trying to do is that's what I. Yeah, do. like what? Do you, yeah, and yeah, when you start explaining, you realize nah, it's not, it's not it's not there. Got to go back to the drawing board. But I've been experimenting with that. And, that's uh, good for you that look, you're you're painting with real small brushes with that is a, a, a an acting term. You know, the the the, the best uh, work with real fine brushes, and that's that to me is what you're doing there. I mean, something I was going to ask you later is, you know, advice to give, uh, you know, young people, but that we can kind of come back to that. 
because uh, I I do want people to know how you got started. Um, you, you and I again have talked about this before, and and where did comedy come from in your life? Is it something as a kid? Something that that came later? Like, what, were you a performance guy before the airline? Like, what happened? Um, I always had the bug since I was a kid. It was a show off uh, class clown uh, and. I guess ADD had a lot to do with that. I was kind of, I wanted attention. And then, you know, looking back, I wanted attention. Then when I, I really didn't have any content or material, I was just disruptive, plain disruptive in classes, even though they, but I got, I got more savvy with, you know, what jokes were, even though I'd never had any training, but my first joke, they always say, what was your first joke? And it was in seventh grade. We were taking this, um, Oh, I forget the name of the class, but it was kind of a history uh, history class. And I remember we had no, it was current events, and we had to we we had to get Time Magazine at the time. We had to read Time Magazine, and the teacher different world. They it's like seventy five. They were they were seventy four. They were doing the fifth anniversary of Robert F. Kennedy being assassinated. Right, right. Like, how am I going to make this funny? And but he, <laughs> even then, that's but great. they they, <laughs> they said the teacher said one of his uh, sayings was it was some men see things as they are and say why and I interrupted and, and said my brother saw Marilyn Monroe and said why not and <laughs> <laughs> and you know half the class didn't get it but. The, <laughs> And it was, it was one of those things that the teacher's name was Mr. Settlemeyer. And he sent me to the office for disrupting the class. And then I played golf with him, you know, when I like seven, eight years later, I'd been to college and everything. And, and I played golf with him. He belonged to the country club. And he reminded me of that. And he goes, Oh, I hated sending you to the office, but I had to because, Oh, we went in the teacher's lounge and we laughed our asses over <laughs> or the, the things you said in class were always like the jokes of the day, even though, you know, you get Oh, that's suspended. fantastic. That is fantastic. You just told us laugh. That's what we need. We need laughs. I don't, yeah. don't take it away. Give it right back to us. You know, but I was disruptive. You know, you have to learn the time and the place, no timing, no timing whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fine line. Uh, between class clown and and disruptive i imagine yeah <laughs> i got similar things they changed the name that i was i was too social is what i was told too I was, social i was too social i was always talking i was always in the middle of anything that was going on it seemed to be around me and and uh they did i always got along with all the teachers it was, wasn't that issue it was just disruptive i was having a good time and too social Social yeah. butterfly, but that doesn't sound tough enough. So I just yeah, that's social. Yeah. Well, I, I think it was 19. I, I think it was 15. No, 16 years old. I remember I, it was had to be 16. My my dad and I flew to California because my sister was going to UCLA. And um, I got to see a taping of The Tonight Show and uh, with Johnny Carson. And just the electricity, that room. It's like Vin Scully says, he wanted to be a broadcaster because he wanted to be around the roar of that crowd. He just liked to describe why that crowd was roaring. Um, and I, I remember I got goosebumps when Ed McMahon came out because the talk shows now, the, the, uh, the Jay Leno's and the Letterman's and all that, they come out before the show and say, okay, this is the show and this is what we're going to do. Where the, the Carson show was, uh, they, Ed McMahon came out and he he spoke and that was exciting enough right but you did not get to see johnny carson until that show was on and there was a mystique about that it's like when the pope comes to the window like hey, there's the pope <laughs> and then when the show was over you didn't see him i mean that you were there live and saw the johnny carson tonight show and he was he was more than a person uh but all that electricity was i just laughed and i thought that was great so uh, that um, I wanted to do that. I wanted to go into radio, uh, and I went to college at OU to be at communication. And I was in an advertising writing class, and this, uh, this guy named Mel Helitzer was a professor, and he said, "You're just too good of a writer because I wrote these ads. He goes, you ought to be in uh, copywriting and all that. Get into sales. Hmm. That's where the money is. Radio, there's no money in radio." 
so I graduated from college. I got an advertising job at a little radio station in Indiana and I absolutely hate selling. And I like selling. I, if, if someone brought me leads and I had to make a pitch about something I believe in, I could sell the living daylights out of it. But I was never a fan of selling either. I've had no. a couple jobs with that. I just, but when I have to solicit and because I hate it, I hate being sold to uh, buying sure. a car and all that. But if it's something that I really like selling and somebody comes to me, I get sell it. But mm. I just didn't have any faith in what I was doing. So I, I, I uh, left the radio station, came home, told my wife I'd quit slash been fired and found out she was pregnant. So what did I do? I got another selling job. Yay. <laughs> and this time it was insurance and I, I hated it from day one, but I, I made money from day one. Yeah. And I got used to that lifestyle and I got lazy. And so looking back, I wish at that point in time, I'd either pursued radio or made that trip to LA and um, yeah, you said you had mentioned before that you that's yeah. something you had sort of thought about going out to L.A. and, you know, playing your hand out there. Well, I went out there when I was, uh, well, I know I was 19, um, junior in college. I drove out there uh, with a friend and we went, you know, I went to NBC. I had an interview to be a, um, they call it a page, but it's a tour guide there at the studio in Burbank. And that's what I was going to do. And then I was going to do, you know, see what was out there, maybe comedy acting. I don't know. But I went in there and uh, this is honest, this lady, her name is Eva Hawkins. And uh, she goes, well, you're very persistent. You drove all the way out here. Let's, she called HR to do the paperwork. And when she called HR, it was the phone calls. It was like, it was written in a miserable script. She goes, <laughs> what do you mean? Now, when, why didn't I hear about this? Oh, and she goes, they've just changed it. You have to be 21 to work here now. Uh, and I'm like, I think that's the first time I ever used the WTF <laughs> in front of somebody other than friends. It, it was, I, dro I, I drove out there with every impression that I had the job. Wow. Then wow. I went back and then I. That's heartbreaking, that, man. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a heartbreaking thing. I can imagine that really kind of, kind of shocked what you were doing, but at 19, you bounced back quick, I guess. Man, no, not really. That's yeah, I mean, I started circling. <laughs> I, 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 tried, I, tried, 19, I tried, man. That was, that was 1979. And that's right when that whole comedy store thing was going on. Yeah. Who knows yeah. if I would have made it there or not? I mean, it was still. And I, I had a, a good friend of mine, Lenny Schmidt. And there's, I've talked with some guys that went through that. And, and there's a, a, a documentary on Showtime now. Yep. I think it's about the comedy store. And it's the most miserable, depressing. Uh, I, I thought I'd watch it and get a big kick out of it, but I, I walked away thinking, like, I'm glad I didn't go out there. It was oh, these none of these people are happy. They look back and laugh on things, but they were living off uh, cereal with sour milk and uh, comedy, drugs comedy is it, well, drugs Atlantic? maybe out of but, but comedy is Atlantic City during the day. It is just looks like a hangover. It's filthy. It's that's uh, a good way to describe it. It is. It's it's just this awful place. And then the sun goes down, and you're like, man, this place is shiny and new. Look at all the <laughs> lights. And you go out and you have a great time. Then the next morning you wake up and you're just like, oof, no, wait, turn the lights back off. You know what I mean? It's it's that's comedy, I think, behind the scenes and and after after the hours and and on and off stage. Yeah, there's a lot of just depressing business in there you know you got to have the stomach for it maybe at 19 you wouldn't have had that you know yeah i don't know because i'm not uh i guess i'd have been in out there and i'd been driven to make it work because because i'd want dad to keep sending the checks but or you know try to make my checks on my own but yeah. um that didn't happen and, I, and finally i got fed up with the insurance business um <laughs> sounded like day one but okay all right no it was six years i mean i made it to their like whatever level they had you know like you're here for life right and then i quit and like why do you quit <laughs> well I, I just i didn't i was at 30 years old i didn't want to be insurance agent the rest of my life yeah right and well, that's, uh, that's that's interesting it's a great place we're going to take a quick break on that because then when we come back i want to hear about you know your first step into uh into doing stand-up and I'm, i know there's a time frame between 
leaving that insurance job and getting into stand-up. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, everybody. We'll be right back and uh, more with Sid Davis. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your in-person or virtual appointment today at orthocarolina.com. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's the Comedy Zone podcast. We're here with the very funny Sid Davis and the overworked, very talented, very handsome Brian Baltashevitz. Uh, me, um, I'm also Jason Allen King, if you guys uh, don't know me. Uh, very overworked, talking to, Jason Allen King. Very That's overworked, right. right. <laughs> uh, we've been talking to Sid about uh, kind of his start and uh, growing up and his interest in comedy and uh, and Hollywood in general. And Last we heard you, uh, you had a kid and you were, you know, working at, uh, uh, as an insurance salesman, salesman and you decided to get out. Got out. Uh, by that time I had two kids. I went to the airline. I had, when I was an insurance agent, uh, these people, these clients I insured were worked for Piedmont airlines and they talked about flying free. <laughs> and I said, that was enough to work. So I, I quit my insurance job or I sold the business and I got, uh, started in baggage handling, you know, when not entry level. Wow. And, uh, just for the, just for the travel opportunity, just for travel. And, and, uh, I, I, I became a mechanic I, because I saw the mechanics made a lot of money and they did very little work and they made a lot of money. And I go, well, that's for me. <laughs> and, but to do that, you Probably know, that's, makes sense then. Yeah. that's one yeah, thing you, I tell people to get to that point for two years, I had to work uh, eight hours and then I went five hours to night school. So for two years I worked double shifts Wow! Yeah. and I sacrificed a lot with my family. And then, uh, I forget what year it was 94, 93. I, I, I got upgraded to a mechanic and then by that time it was us air and us airways and all that. Yeah. And I, I moved to, um, Greensboro, Winston Salem, Oh, I did. I, I did. I went to a lot of places here and there, but I, and I moved to Greensboro. Then I, I finally ended up in Charlotte slash Mooresville. And then that's what nine 11 hit 2001. And by the time all the bankruptcies hit, um, and got to me, I was slash laid off retire. I was forced to retire, but with lifetime flying benefits. Wow. wow. What, a, what a, what a benefit. My God, what a perk yeah. to that. And I started, I started, uh, while I was at the airline, the last stages, I, I got into this club called Toastmasters and that's when I kind of started finding my way as a comic. Uh, then I, I took the comedy zone comedy class in, uh, 2000, almost 2005, late 2004. Yeah. And it was I, like everybody else that, wow. that, that class, you go out there and crush it. <laughs> that first show man that's for because your friends yeah. are there and, and then uh well, there's that. the second show you go out and it's the same story a lot of people tell joel lets me do a uh a uh, guest set it's the old zone on college street right and of course you go through this before you're really the business humbles you you've had that it sure does thing yeah. and you think Daily. you're just hot shit you know oh yeah <laughs> coming out of class oh my god oh yeah you just and you go out and you do a guest set. Like when, when the first joke just falls over dead, you don't have that ability to take that plane and land it at a safe area. It's just, <laughs> just mayday, mayday, mayday. And you're, and that you're scared. The crowd knows it. And I had it recorded. I should, I know I, I burned that tape. <laughs> That's smart. 
and all these people they put all their their class uh uh videos online of when they bombed like, never oh i never know there's gonna be enough of that out there as there is i know i know this was like i'm like beyonce trying to find all the bad pictures of me and getting them off <laughs> all my sets it, it, it was awful and then uh you know i just i started like everybody else i got i got an mc thing and there were, there were a lot more open mics and and uh worked my way up <clears throat> but there was i was always i didn't do the uh, uh traditional way and and uh i don't know about two or three years in or, or so i was not moving up and the, the zone was ready to cut me out of the stable you know because of my age and they said you should be a lot further along than you are by now hmm. it was it was really a, a, a an awakening i was woke and uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I'd like to, now, it's yeah, that's good. Awakened, and uh, <laughs> I just went and just started really writing and really working hard, and and uh, and then find the 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 best thing that ever happened to me in the in the business, or one of the best things was, um, you know, I was featuring. I was I was the first guy to perform at this new comedy zone here at the Music Factory. Cause Hef called oh, wow. me and he goes, you know, the mayor's going to be in there and everything like that. We'd like you to be the, the first act. Cause you, you, what you do is bulletproof, you know, there's not political and we know it'll that tracks. Yeah. And they had the that mayor tracks. there. They had all the news there. So I was the first one to do a professional show there. And then I was featuring there a lot. I worked there a lot because I live here and then there, there'd be, uh, comedians that would have flat tires and and not make it and i was break glass in case of emergency i was never really booked there <laughs> but i worked there the most because you know i get a call from joel or len and say hey can you can you come in and uh, do 20 tonight we, we we parallel in that way because i have been that person for them for for a couple of years yeah uh I, i'm getting I, I get the calls regularly now but I was that guy. It was like, Hey, who can we throw in to do 20 and, you know, and yeah, we can trust and, and I live close and it's like, it's that kind of thing. I've, I've gotten the call late before and you just, and you go and you do it. Well, you know, like, uh, and I'd been, I, I did a, a 30 minute guest set there. You know what Brian Heffron looks like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, Vaguely. I, I wish, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, <laughs> he, uh, he he I, I did a set and it was good it was good and he came up to me and he goes i need to talk to you outside and i'm i examine my conscience and think what did i do wrong <laughs> how could i've gotten it because usually when you get into trouble you know where yeah. you screwed up there's Absolutely. a thing in your head right. why do i have to Nothing fight half? i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, i've got a plethora <laughs> but hef hef's not one of them he's not in the archives yeah. And so we get outside and he lights a cigarette up and he's always serious when he lights a cigarette up and he goes, I'm going to, I got to move you up. And I'm like, Oh, well, this is a good meeting. <laughs> so you don't know when it what, what happens. No. You don't yeah. know sometimes. Yeah. And I say, why he goes, and he goes, I'm moving you up. He goes, I, I walked around that room in there and, he, and he's because it's so dark in there. Uh, I guess I look enough like you. He, he said, 13 people must have come up to me and said, you're the funniest mother effer I've ever seen here. <laughs> and he nope. said, you know, uh, you could have told me that a hundred times. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when other people are talking about you, it's really potent. And um, that's how I got moved up the headline and get the comedy zone. No kidding. Wow. That, that's, that's fantastic, man. That is uh, to hear it from, you know, the owner of the club and that sort of experience. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm also not surprised by that. I mean, we work together enough, man. It's just, you are bulletproof. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very valuable in this uh, environment. And I've, I've talked about it, you know, and there's all kinds of comedy that there's, you know, there's, you can have a hill with snow on it and you can either snowboard or ski, or there's all kinds of ways to get down it and attack <laughs> it. And then there's, there's a market for comedians that go out and are like, I don't do cotton candy forwarded email jokes you know it's all original but i don't do uh, political uh stuff and and uh you know in the corporate world or in, in uh, uh, private gigs and all that that lends that because they there's a symbol of they assemble people there that aren't there necessarily to see comedy right uh if it's a christmas party and those are harder people to win over so you, you need somebody 
strong that's going to uh, connect to the room. And it's, sure, it's yeah. uh, I, I'm happy with what I do. I, I'd like to be that person people come to see because I've had that happen uh, on several occasions where everybody knows me and the, the crowds there that came to see me and there's nothing like that. It's just, it's what you want to do. But, yeah. um, you know, you travel around when you're, when you're sharpening your teeth in the business and like I did a gig last Wednesday and it was small and the one spotlight and it was one of those, they call it a hell gig maybe, but those used to scare me, but they don't anymore. Just, you know, it's, I can go out. I know I can do that. I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of the, of the guys at the zone, giving you a shakedown and sort of shaking your confidence and, and saying, and saying they may get rid of you. That was a bit of a, sounds like a bit of a catalyst to say, all right, I'm not doing enough. So you, you know, the theme with you, I keep hearing is that, you're not you, you're not afraid to work hard. You know how to work hard, and you just applied everything that you had done on these other career paths, and you applied it here. When when someone said you're not you're not putting up the you know the numbers, what do you do? You know. Well, I would uh, experiment too much on stage because I didn't like going to open mics. Yeah. And I'd go up and I'd do a lot of material when it wasn't ready. Um. So I'd have every now and then I'd have, you know, the stuff that got laughs and then I'd try a new bit. Right. And it would just be okay. And so, uh, I just had learned like, you know, every time I get up, there's people watching and I can't, I don't have the uh, luxury of trying new material until it's tested somewhere. So, you know, I, I started just doing the best shows I can the whole yeah. time. Yeah, um, narrowing down that 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 ten, that fifteen, that twenty, yeah, and sharpening yeah. that as much as you possibly can, right? That's and I it's hard I, to tell young people this that when you cut the fat out and the laughs bigger, you know, it's like oh, I have five minutes, and if I cut it down to three minutes and the laughs are bigger, that takes up the other two minutes. Yeah. Uh, the, the the I noticed a lot of young comics are they're afraid of that doing the same material. They get it. They get tired of doing it. Yeah. tired of their five minutes of so their first five minutes they want to get out of that five minutes as fast as possible as opposed to like you said cutting it down to three yeah they're built they're they're looking for volume and they don't have the the big hitters in there yet uh so i know i know exactly what you're talking about do uh do you still watch comedy do you still seek it out at home or or going to shows when you're uh, I, I'll, when I'm on the ships, I'll watch the other comedian. Mm. Um, I don't watch, I'll watch Bill Burr or I, I don't really, I don't really watch that much comedy. I, I, and I don't know why. I don't know whether it's a, it's not a jealousy thing, but, or, uh, well, but it's work. I mean, when you're home, it's still as much as you love it. And the reason why I ask that is because I get a lot of varied answers to that when I talk to people. You know, you, there's some people that'll come through or he'll work with or whatever. And, and it seems about every other person is saying, I, I can't watch anybody else. It's just, it, I'm doing it all day. I'm thinking about it all day. I can't watch somebody else do it. And there's other people who are, you know, comedy files who literally can't get enough of it. They're talking about it. They're watching it. They're doing it no matter yeah. what, uh, you know? So I just, I'm curious. And I don't know if, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer. I'm just curious if that's then there's a lot of it. It's such a competitive, bitter business. <laughs> you, just watch, see, you watch somebody else and like, you know, if that son of a bitch is up there doing it, why ain't I? Or oh, did girl. I fail to mention that? I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. Cause I was also going to ask, I mean, do you have anybody that you, um, you know, that, that you would, that you admire, like who was your favorite sort of guys that you came up? I know you talked about Johnny Carson. Is there anybody today that you say, man, that's, I like what they're doing. I like, you know, maybe not necessarily you want to do what they're doing, but you like that or whether unknown or unknown, anybody that's knocking you out. Uh, you know, there's TV. It was David Brenner. I, I went back out to the tonight show later on that trip that I was talking about where I had the interview and uh, David Brenner was the guest host. Yeah. And when you see somebody like that, boy, he was polished and slick and really <laughs> prolific. I liked him. Um, I, I drove to work often and listened to Bob and Tom. So those comics, uh, Greg Hahn. Yeah. Um, Bob and Tom was someone for me that even before 
I was ever doing comedy or even thought of doing comedy, I listened to Bob and Tom quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and I always loved that. It felt like such a con like a comedian centric show that it was just fun. It was fun to hear him cut up, you know. And I, I remember driving to work um, and listening to them. And there's a guy, uh, John Caponera, does this bit, reimitates Harry Carey, and does a baseball game between the people in hell and the people in heaven. <laughs> and I laughed so hard, I literally almost had to pull off the road, you know, because the tears in my eyes, you know, I was going to have an accident. And then I, Greg Hahn, and then there's... Uh, Mark Eddy was on there and, and it's just great. All these people. Oh, yeah, and then years God. later, they're peers. Now I actually right. know or know of them and, and I'm in conversations and, uh, they know me and it's, it's all I wanted to do. Like, I'll, I was, I got in the game so late. I thought I just want to be an MC. I'll be happy to be an MC. And then after a while, like really, maybe, maybe I just want to be a feature. I, and then I, I just want, if I get on Bob and Tom, I'll be happy. <laughs> and, uh, now I'm at like, you know, if I can make the week without getting fired, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been on Bob and Tom a number of times. Yeah, I was going to say, you've become kind of a regular on Bob and yeah. Tom. Yeah, look at this this whole set here. I mean, the mic, this sounds good. And this looks <laughs> sounds good. great. This, this <laughs> boom. So Bob, I called Tom Bob and, and Sid, Tom. Right? Have we pitched that to them yet? Bob, Tom, and Sid? I said, look, I had all this. And they go, wow, we're not interested. Because... <laughs> I don't know, maybe the Zoom thing just didn't go over as well as they thought. And so they just cut back on it. But oh, you know, so they're not, because I, I haven't listened to them in, in a long time. So they're, they're not really doing it. No, they were. They, well, they have their regulars, like Kostaki's is on there. And yeah. it's, it, see, Brian, somebody with a name longer than yours. Right. I know. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. Economopolis. <laughs> I think that's it. Um, and, and, um, Al Jackson, they had a couple of people call in. They're, they're regulars. So, uh, you know, I thought I'd get in on that. I even wrote some pandemic jokes that I thought were great. I was ready. And they, well, you know, we're, not, we're cutting back on guests. And they don't have anybody in the studio because Tom's a, a germaphobe to begin. Even when things uh, were good, he was a germaphobe. Yeah. So <laughs> they're just, they're out laughing in their little safe rooms, aren't they? All these germaphobes. Yeah. yeah that's so cool. I built this whole set here. I'm you. ready to go. <laughs> um i mean i'm i'm kind of curious of uh now again i've told you we we've worked together a number of times right? yeah and, and we're working together here again pretty soon um i know your set i mean i i'm not saying i could repeat your set but i'm pretty close sometimes um, i have trouble repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> i know it pretty well and i'm you know you talk a lot about you know some of the stuff we've talked about here and your family and career and stuff it's brilliant stuff is there anything you ever you haven't talked about on stage that you either wish you had or planned to i mean is there anything that's sort of uh changing things up on what you're doing um you know i've i've, I've taken this course you know i tried it well it's called the artist way hmm. and part of this is uh, finding your creativity and all that but you're supposed to get up every morning and write it's called daily pages and you just sit down before you turn a computer or anything on and you just start writing and it and you'd write three pages and let it come out it's just like you're with a shrink mm -hmm. and you're just letting everything out about stream of conscious like yeah. just going yeah and so I, I write a lot about uh you know i just run out of things to write about well i have a lot of things to write about when i was a kid and my dad and growing up on a farm where we never had any crops and it was just like an 80 acre woods for me to run around in and and the dogs we had and then then you start thinking about other things. And uh, so I, I write a, a lot more about memories of being a kid in the sixties. And so I want to bring that to, um, you know, I want to bring that to a, a stand up set where I can, I can tell hu humorous stories like, sure. And I, I, I may like do that in YouTube, but like Prairie home companion, I used to listen to that. And, and the one is like, we're talking about, I'd say, these jokes are, I read these on my grandpa's outhouse, you know, there's, and it's, I never got that show. So yeah. No. That. Uh, well, it's interesting. And I also like the, the parallels of how things are you know, either similar from when you grew up to 
how they're different. You know what I mean? There's opportunities there. So I'd, I'd be very curious to hear that. One of yeah, the but, and thought- you also want to be fresh on it to where, I mean, everybody's done, you know, we used to have phones with cords on them and all that. And you right. kind of want to put a different twist on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't, isn't that kind of everything that we're trying to do too, right? It's like, I, you know, I've heard people do some things that, that I talk about, but my, my perspective is the difference, right? That's right. what we're, I, and I think it all comes down to, um, for me, is uh, people don't miss anybody anymore. You don't have that period of time where you catch up. Because hmm. um, you know, if I want to know what, what's going on with you, uh, you know, it's a text, you know, or if, yeah. uh, where before is you had to bother to make a phone call or if you were like, like if you had a girlfriend, you were in college and you were an hour away and, and it was really a dollar a minute to talk. I mean, yeah. like, like, I, we were breaking up. That's just too expensive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Dollar meant a lot. I broke up. That's it you know. That's why the girls were in line for me. <laughs> I had I had a friend that you know. She's from Israel. Said I'm act more like a Jew than anybody she's ever seen. So <laughs> I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to laugh at that, Sid. You're putting me in a position. I, I, there. You know when she says it. It's true. (laughs) We'll say that she said that and then we can have a laugh at it. One of the things I thought you were going to say before was uh, something about baseball. And I'm not sure if every, anybody, anyone who follows you and and watches what you do will know the, the, the degree of a baseball fan that you are. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Here's what tell, tell some folks about it because you you're on a, you're on a mission. Now, every time I talk to you, text you, email you, you're either on your way to a ballpark on your way back or in a ballpark. So you travel the country going to baseball games. Yeah. And uh, I always have a, a ball. I say it's a foul ball, but it's not really. I'll <laughs> let my secret out here since yeah, millions of people listen to the podcast. All right. Everyone settle in. This is the Comedy Zone podcast. We're good. Uh, because um, uh, Joel Pace, our good friend at the Comedy Zone, he's got a, kids. He's got some boys. And uh, his wife messaged me and said, how do you get – we're going to the game in Kannapolis. How do you get those balls? Is there a secret? And I go, yeah, there is. You're at a minor league baseball park. You sit at, uh, you know, near the end, end of one of the dugouts, say first base dugout. And if you're sitting at the first base dugout, there's an app you can get on your phone. It's called MILB that will give you a real-time assessment of the game of who's playing where and the players and the whole rundown. All this information is available. So when somebody makes a third out, on say the right fielder catches a fly or the first baseman makes the third out he makes the catch you know their names you have all their names memorized in the pitcher and the catcher so when they're running in and they have a ball you're saying nice catch joey joey wilson or you know you say him say their name and we it's like being an open micer and somebody recognizes you you know or I mean, they, they light up uh, and they're going to throw you that ball because you know their name right. and it worked time after time after no time. It's a psychological thing. This is, we're, we're peeking behind the curtain at the <laughs> Wizard of Oz right now. Are you yeah. kidding? Is there a thing about though, being a grown man in this, <laughs> in this town? <laughs> well, like cat calling for a baseball? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't reach in front of any kids and I, I have... <laughs> Oh, wow. good that's that's standards a- is what i'm hearing good good job and, but at those at those games there's uh so many kids with balls you know because there's not many people there and well I don't know. and and then so i have all these uh baseballs and i said you know i'm gonna give these away it's time to give back and i thought you know what i did is i take a ball to the knights game uh as i carry it in and, and then i'd look i'd always look for that kid that was sitting there minding his own business being good and not running around like he's coming watching the game it would appreciate it and then somebody said you know that's the same thing a child molester has gone through his head when he's out there running for prey and I'm like no but i'd always go up and say hey listen. easy prey yeah <laughs> out of nowhere i go here here's a ball and uh i do that but i usually go there with one ball and then come home with two so it's all confusing to me they, they, they light up when you give them the ball. Yeah. 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 Well, actually they're, they, again, their parents are like, 
Why, why you? you know? Who is this guy? <laughs> why, why, why you and him? Because <laughs> I remember when I went to a game with my dad, there was no running around. I had to just sit there. Right. That's right. There was no hanging down by the rails or anything. Oh. So I, I appreciate that. Well, I, I definitely grew up in a time where, where I have the, the nostalgia and the emotional connection to baseball. I was, I was, I grew up in a time when, Dad's going to be home at, at six o'clock. You have to be there. So you have a catch with him. I mean, it was literally, we did that. My, oh, all that's of my awesome. brothers did that. And he, you know, uh, and that turned into, and I talk about it a lot. I'm proud of it, but my brother got drafted by the Pittsburgh pirates uh, wow. at a high school. Oh yeah. And, uh, we, did yeah talk about so we were very much a baseball family. We, we, one, one day of the weekends, at least we would go up to the park. We would go to a field. And we would we would hit, we would pitch, we would get grounders. You know, I was a second baseman. My brother played shortstop. I mean, this is was just part of the regular routine. What and position was he? Mike was a catcher. Oh wow! Uh, he, and uh, yeah, he was a catcher, and he he was very very fast, which was a unique thing. So he constantly had people putting him in center field. Those were his two positions, which is that's odd. Yeah, psychologically, catchers are slow. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> But psychologically, they're kind of the two guys who are facing the full field, and they're kind of the the, you know, the their quarterbacks, if you will, on either side, you know. Yeah. Um, so he had the psychology of the game. He was just super fast. He was he was a really fascinating guy to watch, and he he regretted it because he was a better. Uh, he always felt he was a better football player, but but watching him play, he ultimately didn't sign, which is just crazy, and went and played played college. He didn't feel like he got drafted high enough at 18 <laughs> at a high school. And uh, yeah, so he, he didn't. So I got to watch him, you know, go play college and he, you know, broke stolen base records and, and he uh, never really got that look. He ended up uh, uh, working down at Bucky Dent baseball school and he, he did get like, get on with the Marlins. Uh, and I want to say it was the year before, didn't they have like a preemptive year before they were in the, in the league, but I, he was with the organization. He didn't get to, I'm not sure like that, but. I used to go with him to tryouts and uh, uh, he was just, it was just a fascinating sort of different world that most people don't know that I think you do, you're familiar with, you know? Yeah. And the, the uh, professional baseball has a lot of parallels to uh, stand up comedy uh, because sure. there's a minor league system where minor, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And uh, there's, you know, different levels and then double A and I guess, triple a and i don't i don't even know if i would say i'm in the majors i think uh the show is you know you're on tv and you're yeah. out of that one out of a <clears throat> i don't know how many thousand gets the of course everybody has a netflix special now sure. everybody has a dry bar special <laughs> so uh one other thing so my other brother actually got pulled from so we lived in pennsylvania he got pulled to go to the hill junior college uh, and was a shortstop and started as a freshman, which was a farm system for the Rangers. And it's funny that you bring that up because we, because I always see them as like the Bull Durham guys. You know, my brother Mike was in it for years, and uh, he he was uh, down down in the uh, with the Marlins for a minute, and uh, went and visited his girlfriend. And the next weekend at you know twenty six or twenty seven or however old he was, he's like, "That's it, I'm gonna hang him up." And he went, and now he's got you know three kids. And yeah. my other brother did something similar. He did he did one year down there, and he said, "I know what this looks like. I know where this is going." It's this sort of tragic, sort of you know, do you make it? Do you not? Do you ever get on TV? Do you make it big, or do you sort of yeah. live that life and that passion and and. Uh, I think it's absolutely paralleled with, with comedy and, you, or, you know, with comedy, you can find that niche, you know, where you don't have to be a uh, superstar. Yeah. Make a pretty good living to, if you get well-known in the corporate world, which is kind of, you know, in the cruise ships, that's kind of like what I like doing. Um, there is some advantage to not being famous. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I think for most comics, at least at some point, it's, can I make a living telling and writing jokes? yeah man that's a, that's a pretty good goal that's you know. and the traveling kills you that's what kills you actually yeah, yeah i mean yeah but if you have a, a lifetime you know free 
past to fly in an airline, maybe. <laughs> well, I n- maybe not so never, much. Never use that for a professional reason. <laughs> but that's just for vacation, right? That's right. Well, I'll tell you how that worked against me once is that <laughs> I flew out to Kansas City to do a, a, a guest set. And uh, I, I went out there. I forget the name of the club. It's owned by three brothers. But I went in the, there and did a guest set. And did, I, hate, I hate when people say they killed it. But I did very, very, very well. <laughs> I mean, I own this room for my seven minutes. And the guy says, you're, that's pretty good. You know, where's you from around here? I said, no, I flew out here just for this. And the whole fact that I flew out just to do the guest set just made me sound so desperate to him uh, Yeah, really? that he never hired me. No kidding. Yeah. I never, never heard from him again. I mean, I'd send the veils and all that. And, and then, um, uh, that's fascinating to me. I kind of mentioned that earlier about, you know, if you have another job and you sort of can, you know, pay the bills with not necessarily doing comedy, I've always worried a little bit, had that, that thing where it's like, ah, they, they, they don't think I want it bad enough or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I ha- I'll have dreams about that. Uh, uh, nightmares that I'll have my old job back again. I have to sell and I'll just wake up depressed until noon. At least <laughs> I, 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 I can't sell, which is, you know, I, I have, you really, if you're a comedian, you need to go sell yourself. Uh, yeah. you need to go market yourself and sell yourself. And I hate yeah. picking up the phone and yeah. asking someone to get in their room and, and and i'm lucky a lot of a lot of people vouch for me and speak up for me and and uh i've 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 learned in my my limited time doing this that that is that's the goal is to get somebody else to say i want to yeah. work with this person or hey yeah. you're good give them a shot that to, that is such a a bigger part of this than than i think i would have ever guessed so uh that's definitely helpful you, you ever uh, look back anything you would have done differently Anything you would have wished you had done uh, slightly different, which is pro- probably a shitty question, but <laughs> other than uh, maybe you know maybe going out to California, uh, mm-hmm. or but you know it just didn't work out. I gave it a shot, but I should have been more persistent. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll be asking for you before long, Sid. I, I, uh, I've, I've seen the show. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know at this point in time, I don't have anything I can put my finger on that I would do differently. Yeah. Well, you shot up there pretty quickly, man. I mean, any, uh, we're going to get out of here here pretty soon. Anything you could, uh, you know, suggest to somebody who's fairly new in the game. And I don't mean who's never done comedy before. I mean, someone who's in it three, four years that's, you know, maybe starting to get some, uh, hosting gigs and they're trying to, you know, trying to make it and you know, they're going to stick around. What, What do you tell somebody like that? Uh, the host, I got some advice from, uh, Jim Wiggins, who's a comedy, no longer comedian, no longer with us, but he, I was working with him. He told me the greatest advice about being a host is that, um, it's your show, but it's not about you. You, you are excited that everybody's here. You do your little amount of time, but you're excited that you have these comedies comics to present tonight. And that's the best way to, to be an MC. That, and then you, you have, when you're not going to be a feature until you're the absolute best MC. Right. There's a guy named Chris Wiles who's phenomenal. And he started as an MC and he was such a strong MC that they, they actually, he, he made it so hard on features. It, the Greensboro Comedy Zone was where features went to die. <laughs> and I, I knew enough when I worked with Chris Wiles, you know, because he, he headlined, you know. And, uh, I liked him anyway, but I knew you got, this guy's got to be your friend. Cause eventually I'd work at the Greensboro comedy zone. And if he likes you, you know, and he goes up and he does his set and you're next, he backs off and does some announcements and let the, lets the crowd mellow a little bit. So, no kidding. but if he doesn't like you, he'll, you don't have a chance. He'll bury you. Wow. That is, uh, yeah, so, kind of amazing. Good. And, be fun to have to be able to wield that power. And another thing <laughs> advice is you're going to get, don't take the nose personally, at least too much, <clears throat> because you talk with people that have to say no 200 times a day and uh, you keep working until you get that yes or somebody says something and you'll, you'll hear something and learn to pick your battles. I mean, people get on like this whole, this 
this whole uh, political environment. Um, I have my beliefs and all actually through it all. I hate everybody now. I just, <laughs> but if you go on there and you're just like, well, just for argument's sake, you're overly liberal and you're saying that, well, there's some comedy club owners now that are on Facebook too, that are very conservative and they're not, you know, if they had to pick between you and somebody else who's, you know, it's, yeah, it's it like-minded it difference and, and it works either way. If you're overly conservative uh, and you're getting in all these cat fights and, and then, you know, there, there's a lot of liberal comedy club owners and then the, that works. There's a lot of people looking for work. So, and then I lost like 50 friends by just saying nothing, you know, one person said, you know, you don't have a voice and like, well, I do, but it's not here. My not, vote, yeah, it's not my vote was my voice. The, 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 it's a, it's a sort of under understated. I think that uh, we, people have access to us a lot more than they ever have before. You know, yeah. it went from, you know, phones to cell phones to email to now your social media every moment of your day is charted and people know what you're thinking and what you're doing and and that has a lot of pitfalls in it i think you're i think you're you're very right and i and i'm uh i support the idea that be the best uh host that you can be know how to go at a, at a room cold I don't pick know your battles I, yeah yeah pick your battles i don't know how many times i've been a feature and they say well we we didn't get a host we didn't know and then now you're playing yeah. kind of both roles no. You don't realize how hard that role is till, and you've gotten this call too. The comedy zone will call you and they need somebody to, to uh, be an, a guest, an MC. Yeah. And, you know, I've been headlining for a number of years and you don't realize till you walk out there and host a show that there's this stigma that the, the crowd thinks you suck. Right. That and they're going to think you suck until you prove them otherwise, because that's <laughs> normally that spot is the least uh, talented individual. And I, I don't, I know we don't have much time, but I, they called me up fortune Feimster, who's she's huge. Oh, she's, she's huge. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, um, she's from Gastonia. So this crowd's just, and she, she draws a, uh, well, she's a lesbian. She's an open lesbian. And so this whole comedy zone was just full of her, her people and they love her, you know? Yeah. So they, uh, Joel goes, you know, I need somebody to do 20 minutes in front of fortune. I need somebody, you know, to, cause you're the 20 minutes. So people can come in and get settled for the, eat their food before the headliner comes on. Right. So I'm at the zone and it's just full of her crowd and they just love her. And, oh, it's, and you know, there's, there were men there too. There's, I mean, she's just, is just a funny, huge draw. But this, I, the, the MC went up and was doing five minutes and he was, Poor guy. I don't know whether he was good or bad or not, but they were not giving him anything. And he was awful. I mean, it was an awful thing to watch silence. Mm -hmm. So he says, and they can't see you for the comedy zone has a curtain and they can't see you behind there. So this guy goes, are we ready to get this show going? And everybody's like, hell yeah, we are. And like, yay. And they were so <laughs> loud when he introduced me, they didn't hear him say me. They thought he was saying fortune Feimster. Oh my God. So I walked out of there to a roaring standing ovation that wasn't for me because they thought it was fortune Feimster coming out. And I, and I walk out and like, yeah. And it just dropped off off. The, and I got, and then I, it just came out of my head. I go, Ooh, I've just seen the seven stages of grief right here. The last <laughs> well, six, I don't think acceptance is uh, going to work here. And that everybody laughed at that because they I they knew I was really awkward. Yeah. And what would happen what would happen was just funny. So I survived that. But that could have went either way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's gotta be your 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 skill, your your acumen at doing this for a while to pick that up because you're right. I mean, how many people just deer in headlights just eyes wide open and just fall apart in that moment? You know? Yeah, screw you. That's funny. You know, <laughs> right. What's the matter with you people? Of course. Uh, yeah. At the last gig we did, they were pretty stiff to the first two comics, you know, yeah. and I, so I, you never should try a new joke first unless, but I did. Oh, <laughs> breaking your own rules. I said, you know, I've listened to the rest of the show and I, you know, I heard that, that with COVID, you know, you, you lose your sense of taste, you lose your sense of smell and you lose your sense of humor. So you should all get tested. <laughs> <laughs> 
How they take it? Thank God that they laughed at that. Oh, good, good. Maybe you should get tested. And then when a joke kind of, because it wasn't that big of a crowd, and then, and then it would, you know, they'd laugh and it'd be silent. I'm like, you better pick it up, or you better <laughs> yeah, get stick that thing up your nose. You know. <laughs> good for you, man. Well, where where can people find you? I mean, you you have a, a website, or how do you do it? Yeah, it's uh, SidDavisComedy.com. And Very uh, cool. they can, they can find can uh, they got Google Sid there. Davis and stuff comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully com comedy related stuff comes up. Oh, it's all, yeah, it's all good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on uh, social I, I, media filter everything out. <laughs> find you on Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook yeah, it takes a search and I come right up. Sid Davis comedian page. There you go. Yeah, it's great. You should check it out. Everybody. Uh, I, I, uh, I follow him. We're friends on there. He's always uh, good for a good video and a, and a joke on there. Be sure to do that. And where can they see you next, Sid? I'm excited to say. I don't know. You tell me. It's, uh, we're, doing a, we're doing a corporate thing. That's yeah. a private party we're doing. Yeah, I didn't know that. But now maybe I shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it may be the last thing we talk about because most private parties I've been to are there's it's super spreader. There's no, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's no right. law there. Masks uh -oh. and handshakes and all that. So very good. Well, we're going to good look. Well, this is radio. Take a good listen. This is maybe the last time. Cough, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> cough. Uh, but we're, we're I doing, I don't want the people to laugh too hard because they'll project those droplets up on stage. So <laughs> right. I'm going to, I'm going to bomb on purpose. I'll wear the N95 so they can see my face. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then we're actually going to be in uh, uh, outside New Orleans here in a couple weeks. So uh, be sure to check Sid out and uh, watch his comedy, buy his stuff. Sid, thanks so much for coming on the, the Comedy Zone podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks Always a pleasure. Any Anytime that guy, uh, anytime anybody X is out here, you know where I'm at. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome man uh all right everybody thank you so much for me and uh, balto and will jacobs this is the comedy zone podcast and we'll see you next week thanks the comedy zone podcast is a production of comedy zone worldwide and is recorded in a bunker just off the comedy zone showroom at the Abbott exchange music factory in charlotte north carolina the executive producers of the comedy zone podcast are brian heffern and brian bothashevitz talent wrangler is mike hall Original music composed and performed by John McKeever. <laughs> <laughs>